and she was like, well, well, my name is Karen. No, she didn't say it. But no, she didn't say that. But she did say what. Code Orange, whether you're a doctor or nurse, therapist, tech, assistant, or admin, we've got you covered for the next 30 minutes, spilling the dirt on all things healthcare. I'm Allie. And I'm Paige. And thanks for joining us again on our show as we gab at each other and hopefully for your entertainment, <laughs> each other. Yeah, we do do other. that. And yeah. maybe like about each other, um, education and enjoyment. And so we held. Esther Lowen captive for a second hour, well, ish, or like second episode. We didn't let her leave the building, and so she's here still. And so um, we're going to continue to talk with her about being transgender and going through the healthcare system. Yes. And so this week, we're going to focus a little bit more on the medical side of Elle's journey and her experience um, with her current program that she's going through to work in mental health and specialize in this uh, field and patient population. So without further ado, let's get right back to our special guest, Elle. And so, but how can you like help our clinicians know not to make this about us, you know, but uh, for the yeah. health professionals, well, because yeah. we how, want to, how can we make, uh, do you even refer them to their primary care? Do you, you know, yeah. how do we help people navigate this? Well, and I, how so do I we think, make I them feel are, comfortable? I think these are great questions. I think for our next guest, honestly, like okay. I think she she will have very okay. I think she will Concrete have experience answers. rich. Yeah. But I will speak from my own experience, okay. which is um, having uh, my clinicians use my correct name mm-hmm. and use my pronouns and asking me frankly um, if it's relevant. What you know, medications I'm on and why yeah. I'm taking them. Like, yeah. I feel comfortable saying that. Like, even, yeah. even like we talked about the dentist, even at the dentist, like, you know, there are medications that affect your oral health, even yeah. if they're not about your oral health. Right. And so, like, I understand why they're asking those questions yeah. and I answer that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so I guess I think, I don't know. I'm. Yeah. You're, you're you, and someone I'm else me. Might be different. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel uncomfortable yeah. like trying to, you yeah. know. Um, it's not black and white, right? And, um, but it's good for us yeah. to hear at least one. Right. So I guess I here's here's something. Yeah, aspect one. I yeah. I think that um, if you're a clinician and you're cisgender and you don't really know any trans people, mm-hmm. um, I think the the biggest thing you could do is. Um, just to do like a little bit of personal work. Right. Because I, like for me, the the biggest problems that I've had so far in 
healthcare settings have been uh, related to clinicians who had personal feelings or convictions mm-hmm. about trans people mm-hmm. and those squeezed out and influenced the way that they treated me. Mm-hmm. And that is really awful and really yeah. painful. And I don't know if like, you know, probably not hearing from a trans person on a podcast, like if you're already, <gasps> I don't think that someone listening to the podcast and be like, oh, I've been like really narrow-minded right. and bigoted <laughs> and therefore I'm going to do my work. But like, this is more for if you c- kind of hadn't really thought about yeah, this, like examine totally. your own yeah. feelings, your own reactions, yes. your own biases, your own prejudices yeah, about, because yeah. it, it's going to seep out and... Um, I think that's like the biggest thing that you can do. You know, I had, I was at, um, and our MD is, is a part of Kaiser. Um, so I was at a Kaiser facility and I had a nurse shout at me down the hall, sir, where are you going, sir? And I was wearing a dress. Like I was wearing like a full, and Paige was there and our two kids were there. And I was wearing like a sundress. Like it was not, I was not. Like, and again, I'm a, you know, I w- it was early on in transition. I'm six feet tall, like, you know. So what'd you do? Well, I was horrified. Yeah. Um, She was trying to stop me because I was. I don't know why. We were we getting were, the kids vaccinated or something. We were getting something. vaccinated. I went out to go to the bathroom, and I think it was because it was like, they were like controlling who came. It was at uh, a mall. It was kind of a weird, you know, sort of a temporary setup thing. And yeah. they were controlling who was coming and going. Yeah. And so blood. I went out to go to the bathroom and I, I don't know. I, she was worried that I was leaving to the wrong place. I don't know. Oh. But she was shouting at me, sir. And then I came back through. And again, she addressed me as sir. I don't remember what she said. But then I sat down my page and I was so upset. And my face was red, and I was, like, almost crying. And Paige was like, I, do you want me to go over and talk to her? Because, like, Paige was, you know, Paige is mm-hmm. our safety officer. Safety officer. Yeah, so, I, was but gonna, I, I was ready to let her have yeah, it. Yeah, but I needed to do it for me. So I went over, back over to her, and I said, can I just, can I ask you a question? She's like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I said, It was very uncomfortable. Like, can, I'm ho- wondering if you could help me understand what it is about how I'm presenting myself that led you to think that sir was the best word for me or, very or what I would I prefer. I love it. It was very brave. I love and, that. And she was like, oh, wow. Wow, my name is Karen. No, she didn't say it. No, but, Karen. I was like, no, it's not. Did you no, the Karen she, didn't, <laughs> she didn't say that, but she did say, well, eventually she kind of spluttered out, well, I'm old school. I'm just old school. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And then, I, and then she was like, oh, and I'm just, I'm just so sorry. I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just very, very sorry. And I, it, I didn't know exactly what to say, but right. I knew that I wanted to speak up. Like, I felt like I needed, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. this is a not therapy, I know. So but <laughs> I needed to speak up for myself yeah. and I've had multiple things like that happen Uh where you know people were just like like it's one thing to make a mistake and it's another thing to like be willfully rude Mm -hmm. and in her case she actually shockingly copped to just straight up being rude 
Because <laughs> um, she's old school. Right. So you can yeah. be brave. It was like she admitted to it and then right. she was apologizing. Like, it was, I don't understand. Like, Sounds like there was knowledge. It was like, yeah. And like, I feel like here in Southern California, there's quite a bit of awareness. And so I, uh, I think it could be better. It probably could be better. Sure. But like, I, as, from my experience as someone in the Inland Empire, People have been very polite overall. That's and the good. worst experiences I've had so far have been in hospital environments. Healthcare. Healthcare environment, uh, medical environments. That, you know, yeah. by people doing that kind of crap, you know. That and is like the craziest statement. There is, is so much wrong with that. It really is, you know. Yeah. And, it, and it, like, most of the time, the feel that I've gotten was like, it was like that. Where it was like, it seemed as though to me... They were acting and talking the way they were on purpose to make a point. Hmm. And um, that was my perception. That may not be true, but that's how how it came across Mm -hmm. to me. That's how it felt. And, um, you know, so I guess (laughs) I, I think like for clinicians, like have, have, be curious. Yeah. You know, how do you identify what pronoun? What are your what, what pronouns do you prefer? What name should I use for you? Mm-hmm. Like if the the if the EMR says a preferred name along with their legal name, use the preferred name. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's basic. You know, right. I've had a lot of now finally my legal name is Esther and like my mm-hmm. my birth name. That's what I call it often. Is birth my birth name is no longer my legal name. It's no longer on my medical record. Right. Right. But, you know, it was about half and half yeah. where I would go in and I would tell them my name and then they would say, oh, you're, oh, I mean Esther. Yeah. And, like, it's, like, this really big deal. And it's, like, right, I'm sure it's right there on their screen right. where it says, you yeah. know. And I'm on I the kn- schedule. <laughs> right. There like, I why, I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah. so I think, you know, a little bit of, of curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of compassion. Yeah little bit of education yeah. what might it you know i mean i guess the empathy piece is like what might it be like to be in that person's shoes and that may be the part that's the hardest for a cisgender person yeah you know i think it's funny because like i think for trans people it's hard for us to imagine what it would be like to be cis mm-hmm. you know like i always thought um it was so strange why all my male friends didn't want to be girls <laughs> I like it was it took and they me a didn't long want to wear flowers on there you know, no it took me a long time to sort of realize that that wasn't like this latent wish like that all of them were not just like <laughs> when you were young 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 even as a teenager yeah yeah that they weren't just like suffering through having to yeah. be like a boy that they had yeah. to like you know, Try like I, I really tried to, like as a spiritual discipline, I really tried to learn contentment. Right. I really tried to learn how to be content yeah. being a man. And yeah. I just assumed that everyone else is like that. Yeah. And like, it's been astonishing to me to learn that like most people don't have that. Yeah. Like, you know, most people are happy with, I mean, everybody's like, you know, they don't like this or that lump or they don't like how much weight they have or whatever. <laughs> like everyone has stuff about them that they're not thrilled with. Right, right, right. But, like, generally, our clinicians who are listening, if yeah. they have a, a patient who's trans and who's been receiving uh, gender, um, a lot of times we call it gender-affirming health care, mm-hmm. um, 
often the diagnosis that is required for insurance uh, to pay for those procedures or treatments is gender dysphoria. Okay. So that's, and it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a sticky wicket mm-hmm. amongst the trans community because yeah. it indicates that um, it implies that there's something wrong, wrong with us. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a long history with that term. It's been different. You know, so in the DSM-5, yes. it's gender dysphoria. In the DSM-4, it was gender identity disorder, huh. which to me feels a lot worse. That is much worse. Uh, it feels more stigmatizing. It, it feels more. Um, and before that, it was. An identity because you know what you yeah. feel you are. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it is about mm. gender identity, but it's, anyway, it's 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 kind of a moving target. Okay. But at this point, it feels like a lot of the clinicians and a lot of people who write the DSM and yeah. are kind of in agreement that um, gender affirming healthcare is um, necessary and incredibly helpful for trans people's short term and long term well being. Right, and that it's something that ought to be provided. Some states like California, it's the law that we provide them. Yeah. Um, um, and so it's sort of like you're, you're as an insurance company or mm-hmm. whatever, you're putting a bind where you, how do we determine whether or not this, um, this is a, a covered benefit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have a code and you have mm-hmm. to do, you know, like I learned a little bit about yeah. codes and yeah. billing and all that. So, there, there's a little bit of a um, an administrative, uh, like we need this code in yes. order to do this process that yes. we need to do. Yep. Um, yeah. We don't, like we want to treat accurately. We want to have accurate right. diagnoses. Right. We don't want to treat right. incorrectly. Yeah. We don't want to waste resources. We don't want to harm people, right. like all that stuff. And so... And so we have to have the diagnosis, right. which kind of brings with it the risk of that, right. that stigma, you know, feeling stigmatized. Right. And so anyway, so if you're a clinician, the chances are if a client, if you have someone who's being treated, uh-huh. they're going to have gender dysphoria in their okay. chart. Okay. Um, so that's, hmm. you know, that's a good sign to yeah. look for. Yeah. Like if you see that, you yeah. probably know that they are trans of some sort or right. that they're gender. So I like to, I like to use the word gender expansive. Oh. As like an umbrella term. Oh, okay. I feel like it's more inclusive, yeah. gender expansive. Yep. Because um, it's almost like a spectrum and they could be somewhere. Yeah. Or, like it's, or it's, they could, like you said. It's very individual. You know, and like yeah. it's, it's individual what people need because right. dysphoria is different. Like there's no treatment for six foot tall trans women. Right. You know, that's like I You're have to work. You're kind of stuck with your height. I'm kind of stuck with my height. And like yeah. maybe reminding myself that I can be like a model. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, maybe that would be helpful. And like, you can maybe still be my tree trimmer, honey. But like all trans people don't get the same treatment. You know, you yeah. might have five different trans men and they might need and want yeah. five different types of intervention. For sure. From thing. surgery to medical sure. to... You know, yeah, like yeah. for me, I've been um, getting uh, gender for me, gender affirming hormone therapy, mm-hmm. um, and I've been getting facial hair removal, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, it's your skin looks better than mine. Well, uh, I I blame <laughs> the other hormones, <laughs> <laughs> the baby kind. Yeah, the baby. It's kind. tough, you know. Yeah. It's like I I wear a lot more makeup than I would like to. 
Yeah. You know, I like wearing makeup. It's fun, but it like, mm-hmm. takes you know, much time. It, it takes a long time and it it's, does. it's stressful. Like, you yeah. know, when you're using it to cover up something yeah. um, that feels yeah. differently than, so, yeah. you know, it's like about 10%. What is it, Paige? It's like 10 or 11% of trans women that get bottom surgery. Yes. Not many. Yes. Not very many. And that was even, one of the first things Paige taught me. Yeah, and there's even a f- there's even a smaller percentage of transgender men who get bottom surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. Yeah. you know, um, it takes a lot to qualify for that, or like to get through the process and all the hoops. Yeah, I mean, depending on your on your insurance, insurance coverage, right? The, true. You know, access can be really hard depending on where you live. Okay. I have some friends who live in Europe. And it's especially difficult, uh-huh. like in like in uh, the Netherlands or in mm. the UK. The uh. lists are really long, and uh. you know it can be for some people. Like I've heard some people talk about waiting for two or three years yes. just to get access to hormone therapy. Oh, yeah. After which you'll wait mm. multiple more years. And um, you so know. it can be really hard. But also there, you know, there's risks and there's complications, and mm-hmm. um, you know the recovery. You know, it's true. Uh, a lot of people will take off a month or two of work yep. in order to recover. Yeah. And, you it's know. It's a really big deal. Right. And, like, so that there's a, um, you know, there's a, a, a class or wealth component that comes to that. Because yes. not everyone is able to take off a month or two of work. Yep. Um, and or pay privately for things that aren't right. covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And, you know, I don't. I don't like. I think that that eleven percent figure is sort of a mashup of all those different things. I it's, think there's yeah. some trans women who could have that procedure if they wanted it, right. but choose not to. Yes. I think there's some who uh, would wish to have it, but mm-hmm. aren't able to have access to yeah. it. And so there's some variables. that obviously are able yeah. to have access to yeah. it. And, yeah. And that's true for most of the different treatments yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, is it's really varied depending on. Well, even just, like, think about, like, I mean, you know, our genetics determine, like, how hairy we are or right. not. It's and true. like And so, it's, you know, it's funny, the, the person who's been um, doing my facial laser uh-huh. removal is a cisgender woman, and she um, had told me that she um, does it to herself on yeah. her face because she has a lot of hair apparently or had mm-hmm. and and it was just a you know a genetic thing yeah. from her you know mm-hmm. ancestors she's um from southeast asia huh. some you know i don't know exactly what yeah. country but or region um but you know in terms of her ethnicity yeah like she inherited like the ability to grow a lot yeah. of hair on her face and she didn't like it and it wasn't affirming to her gender and yeah. she's not trans but Anyway, there's yeah. just a wide variety. And, like, you know, if you are able to transition as a trans woman when you're 18, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot less uh, years that you've had testosterone at work on your body. And, like, mm. um, so maybe there's less mm. intervention that you need to feel yeah. better about yourself. Well, and I think um, one, well, a couple other things about interacting with with trans people or maybe queer people or just um, being sensitive to mental health, 
needs Mm -hmm. and their emotional well-being and their emotional fragility and their state of mind and being extra sensitive to that. Do you know the statistics, honey, of the, like, the the occurrence of suicide? Um, so I, I've worked a little bit with the Trevor Project. I think they're one of the best, um, they keep really good records of, of some of that because they're, uh, the Trevor Project is an organization that is designed to be a crisis line for LGBTQ people under 24 or 23 um, who are... Um, Why that age? Um, I think because of the risk level. Okay. You know, like okay. people that age are, you know, the leading, the leading um, cause of death for young people is suicide. Yeah. And then... Um, the leading cause of death, I believe, for LGBTQ people is suicide. Yeah. It's 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 just very high. So like, um, I think a trans, I think the statistic is around around forty percent of all trans people will attempt suicide in their lifetime, which is I think forty like ten or twelve times higher than the national average. It's really average. big, and so paying extra attention to that, yeah. you know. So like. If you're interacting with a trans patient, mm-hmm. um, the possibility that they have um, attempted suicide is fairly high, 40%. Mm-hmm. Um, and the possibility they've contemplated suicide is very Now, I don't know what the percentages are mm-hmm. of the general population of contemplated suicide. Probably a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a real it's a real deal. And you know? also sometimes, you know, as people are contemplating suicide, it can be like just fast. Oh, like yeah. some incident, some event, 10, 15 minutes, boom. You know, with a trans person, I know that like if you as a trans person have people in your lives who in your life who accepts you as you are mm-hmm. and who loves you as you are and mm-hmm. supports you and uses your like name mm-hmm. and um that that drastically reduces um you know the likelihood of, right? of yeah. self-harm or so, well suicide for sure and so as clinicians well. we always especially in home health we always have to be looking and helping and offering up resources to yes. people so Trevor yeah. Project is yeah, what Yeah, I mean, that would be for younger people. It's okay. for people under 25. Yeah. Um, but there are also crisis There's lots of different response. crisis lines. That the might be a good line. thing to mm-hmm. keep in your back pocket. Um, Somewhere like the center. I'm sure there's places like that everywhere. Yeah, I should, well, I should and we could up. also, we could add that to the podcast yeah. episode. Yeah, we could put that in the notes, some yeah. of the different crisis lines. Yeah. But also, like, it's, it's a fallacy uh, to think that by asking someone if they're contemplating suicide, right. that that somehow increases the likelihood of them completing suicide. Right. The opposite is actually true. Yes. Um, I actually you know, like So it's really simple too. to say, are, you know, have you been thinking about killing yourself? Yeah. Or are you thinking about killing yourself? And do you have a plan? As if they say yes, you're supposed to follow with, do you have yeah, a plan? Yeah. I mean, there's different ways of asking that. But yeah, it's um, that kind of... If a person says they're thinking about it, then whether or not they have um, means to do it, mm-hmm. if they have a timeline to mm-hmm. do it, um, become really important mm-hmm. um, details to tell you the severity, mm-hmm. right? Because you can be suicidal and not, 
like some people, if they're, you know, like if you talk to a, if you talk to a patient, like say you had a, a phone interview with a patient, you ask them, are you thinking about killing yourself? And they say, yes, I am. I have my gun loaded and it's on my lap and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here. And as soon as we hang up off of this phone, I'm going to shoot myself. So that's really scary. That's so that would like, be like, you yeah. know, really, really serious, imminent risk um, that may be, um, uh, you know, a situation where, I mean, depending on the policy of the agency you're, you're in or whatever, yeah, that may be like an involuntary <laughs> intervention is what they call it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, for sure. Um, and there's some agencies that, that have policies where they do not do involuntary interventions, period, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that, that's a whole other conversation yeah, about why that might be. But That's a lot. Um, but, you know, so, and then the severity can go down. Well, I know if I were to kill myself, I would hang myself, but I don't know when I would do it, and I'd probably be too scared. But if I did, I would do it in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Well, that's quite a few details, mm-hmm. but not precise. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it's, yeah. you can kind of grade how, what, so like a person who says, yeah, like, you know, I thought, like, this week I thought that, it, you know, it would be better if I just didn't wake up. Like, those are suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. yeah. um, that may not be, like, an incredibly, like, severe, you know, uh, risk Maybe in that like moment. It may not be. I don't know. I mean, and take this as a grain of salt. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. like, just an idiot with a microphone here. But, oh, like, please. But what I do know and what I can speak to, like, yeah. without with a lot of clarity is that asking that question does not increase the risk. It actually decreases it. Yeah. And what about asking to bring it back to also clinicians, mm -hmm. the damage of misgendering versus just asking people. Man, I think it really depends on, I think it really depends on the person. Okay. But I think asking someone, how do you identify? Is less offensive than potentially misgendering. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would rather have someone ask, just personally to me, I would rather have someone ask, you know, how do you identify or what's your gender or what are your pronouns than to like assume and to misgender. Especially if you're in healthcare setting and you're a patient and... You know, it's not like I'm just coming up to you at a coffee shop and be right. like, how do you identify yourself? Yeah. <laughs> because you're just like a nosy passerby or yeah. random yeah. onlooker or something, right? And like, honestly, like, I mean, I don't want to be like a tool or a jerk or whatever, but like, <laughs> you know, in my therapy program, if there are students who, you know, say, well, I don't, I just, if I ever get a trans client, I will, I'll refer them. I just won't work with them. Well, that's like unethical. Absolutely, it's not like and and that's what my program says. Like, well, you need to reconsider your your professional goals right. because, like, we as clinicians, we we work with everyone. Yeah, like we don't just have like decide that we have a prejudice and so we're not going to work with a whole group of people because yeah, no. we don't believe them no. or we think they're gross. No, or like. You need to get over it. Yeah. Or do a different or do different work. Right. Honestly. And like um Yeah. Because it, it really does cause harm. Exactly. So it, yeah. it, it you know, I don't know. It's a it's a tough mm-hmm. it's a tough thing. I feel like, you know, actually getting to know someone who's trans 
is like so fun. Pre- well, <laughs> I agree, <laughs> um, but like it's probably really useful for learning about what 100%. it's like to be trans. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that the motto of our company, our prior level home health, should oh, look be, at that. Plug. And like when I start <laughs> talking to new clinicians and I'm doing orientation and stuff, I. I think that the way that we treat patients, no matter if we're doing an evaluation on them and they have scabies and they're living out of a trailer and it's 110 out in desert hot springs and, you know, there are like rats popping out of their trailer. We treat those people exactly the same as the millionaires up on the hill in South Redlands living on Sunset. We That's have very to, specific. We have to treat them the <laughs> same, though. And yes. we also have to yes. treat them yeah. like they're our family member, they're yeah. our grandparent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How can we make them feel comfortable? Yeah. And if you're not comfortable with that, get out now because I don't want to waste any more time on you. Right. And so you better get going. But that's what you're going to yeah. face here. You're going to yeah. have both. And, like, there are certain categories where um, – if you had a clinician who said, well, I just won't work with that kind of person. I won't go where there are scabies. Well, that, but I'm just thinking about, like, think about <laughs> other other demographic markers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't work with people who are um, Cuban. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that. No. that's untenable. No. That's, that's just deeply, racism. deeply racist so, and illegal. Like, yeah. no. And, we- and... Yet somehow, we, you know, we, we think that, well, because trans people are unusual or because I have my personal issues with it, then therefore I should. No, it's, it, it's, no. it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. Treat everyone as if they're your family people. member. And, and like for me and for a lot of trans people, like I didn't want to be trans. Mm-hmm. It's part of why I came out when I was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't want, I did everything in my power to not be trans. Mm-hmm. And, and You're for so me, much happier. I am yeah. like so much happier <laughs> and it's turned out like infinitely better than I was afraid that it would. Yeah. Um, but I was really paralyzed by that fear and it, mm-hmm. it took me being mm-hmm. in a really dark place to be able to face it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, you know, I just I say that because like I'm I'm proud of who I am. I'm not embarrassed to be trans. I'm not ashamed in any way, and I'm also proud of how hard it is to be trans in the world. And um, and like I just uh, <laughs> I don't think that it has to be so hard. Right. And I don't think it has to be yeah. this way. Right. And um, it, I can't remember where I was going. It's kind of interesting because it's true. And I feel that way as a clinician. That's where sometimes I'm kind of like, okay, how do you respond? Because you're a woman. I'm going to treat you like a woman. But then in the medical world, there are some really significant things, like you said, that you should know about, like a history, or so you don't offend somebody, because I wouldn't want to offend any of my patients. So having this sensitivity and education, like we would 
on race and or certain diagnoses and stuff I think is important. But it's true. It's like, now I lost my train of thought. It's, you don't want to draw too much attention to it, right? Because you you are a woman. You want to be treated and seen as a woman Mm because you are. Yeah. But then there's this piece to it of your history that may be medically yeah. relevant. Mm-hmm. So we need yeah. to also, like you said, my takeaway is look at myself and see how I feel and my reactions to certain things. And like you said, Paige, treat everybody exactly the same. Yeah. Right. And so I'm going to take maybe a different medical history yeah. based on a certain diagnosis anyways. And a lot of it is languaging. Yeah. Like yes. if you have someone who needs a prostate exam, they need a prostate exam, yeah. right? So how do, how we get to that yes. is like it can be done sensitively mm-hmm. where we talk about, okay, so, you know, I you know we can be clear about your gender, um, you know, your physical body. You obviously have this. This is something that's a risk factor amongst people who mm-hmm. have prostates mm-hmm. as opposed to, among men, like you are, like everyone knows that you are. Right. That would not be good. No. That's not But kind. there's subtle ways of doing that, right. you know? And, like, I know that, like, some people think that, like, um, you know, using descriptors as opposed to labels is um, overbearing. So, mm-hmm. like, using vulva havers or, mm, or yeah. you know... Or owners of uteruses or something like that feels like overbearing as opposed to the shorthand of woman. Hmm. Um, But it's much more inclusive because people who have vulvas, some are men and some are women. And Hmm. there are a lot of trans men who, you know, have so-called women's health problems or women's health diagnoses and for whom... Being told that they have a women's health problem is disillusioning and hard. And, right. And maybe it's necessary to have those labels. I don't really think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's sort of like, you know, having, you know, a, a, like an offensive flag hanging up. For sure. Does it, you know, that maybe just doesn't need to be there. Right. And so you know? how can we make people feel more comfortable it's just the overarching, it's, as a clinician, keep yeah. it stuck in your head. Yeah. How can I help this person feel more comfortable? Yeah. Whoever yeah. it is, how can I make them right. feel more Whoever comfortable? Right, whoever it is. Because it's unique yeah. to you, like you're speaking to yeah. your own experiences. Mm-hmm. But yeah. having that open dialogue and being open to it and knowing what may or may not be offensive and triggering yeah. is like, important. Allie, you were telling your story from being a clinician, working, trying to get a patient Uh, to get up and walk with you. Yeah. Just awareness, I think. Yeah, like um, this patient needed to be cleared by physical therapy so that they could discharge home. And clearly their external body parts were male. And the patient was refusing to get up and work with therapy because they didn't want to be seen as male, but they had been in the hospital and their facial hair was growing back. And so it just took a little bit of understanding, well, your chart name says a feminine name. Yeah. Would you like to sit at the edge of the bed and shave your face and then we could go for a walk? And it was like 100%. Yeah 
made. I I had like thinking about being hospitalized. I'm terrified of that. Yeah. Right. I had a lot of anxiety yeah. about like getting my charts changed with yes. my legal name, yeah. and it's been like hell to get that done. Right. You'd be shocked at right. like yeah. the number of calls, which included calling the Department of Employment or whatever in Washington D.C. To talk to them about how to get it done because I'm on a Cobra health plan. And it's like, but like that, that thought of being in the hospital and being like misgendered for multiple yeah. days yeah, while I'm fine. sick is like, it's a horrifying thought. Yeah, and totally. Like, and it doesn't take, all it takes is just like a tiny bit of compassion. Yes. And like for potentially for someone to leave their bigotry at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, How can yeah. you make that person feel yeah. more comfortable mm-hmm. in that moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can you do it? Let's go over some terms and lingos and maybe like if you have any advice for uneducated people, whether they're in healthcare or not, you know, terms we should be aware of. Um, Like earlier I had mentioned I learned the trans women like transitioning, but even then you clarified that that may not be correct for Mm -hmm. me to call someone that. And at what point are you just a woman? And am I wrong if I just call you a woman? Is that offensive? Um, Yeah. Um, and that, that might be different for every person's unique. Right, yeah. I think it, I think it really varies. In general, um, transgender uh, or trans is kind of an umbrella term for, um, you know, gender, uh, gender expansive or right. gender nonconforming in some way. Right. Um, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of agreement amongst the trans community about really about anything and that makes it so confusing <laughs> which for makes the it confusing for community. everyone else it's wild um, yeah so and it's confusing for trans people too because right. because you know it makes us it makes us difficult to like sort of sort out well how yeah what is this that i'm feeling and what am i going through because Paige was even telling me there's pronouns of Z and Zer. Yeah, there's a lot of there different. Ends. They're called sometimes called neo pronouns. Neo. Neo, like N E O. Neo, like uh, you know. So okay. it it can really vary. So, but in general, tr- trans is someone who, or transgender is someone who, um, they their internal sense of gender identity differs from the one that they that everyone else has assumed them to be or the one that they were at assigned birth. at birth yes. or the one that's generally associated with their physical sex okay right so and then most trans people would say that we have gender identity which is sort of this internal brain like sense of who we are mm-hmm. and that we also have sex which mm-hmm. is our physical body right and that generally those two correspond to right. each other like in most people mm-hmm. but that there are exceptions and um i really love julia serrano's model for this mm-hmm. although it I've, I've heard some people who are non-binary not really appreciate it mm-hmm. for me it was really helpful but essentially she says that like you know a person's subconscious sex, which is, I think, kind of her substitute for gender identity, but your mm-hmm. subconscious sense yeah. of who, of what gender yes. you are, 
your physical body characteristics, uh-huh. your uh, social behaviors. Yes. They kind of generally occur in two bell curves. I'm uh-huh. making two bell, you know what a bell curve is, like yes. a, you know, a line graph. So you imagine two bell curves and they kind of overlap mm-hmm. in the middle. Uh-huh. And so what, what she would say is that people who are, who are women generally are grouped together in that bell curve with those characteristics yep. and the same thing with men, mm-hmm. but that there are outliers mm-hmm. on the edges. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's kind of how, you know, some of us understand, uh, you know, the way that gender identity works. Yeah. There's a social part of gender. Yes, absolutely. You know, how you're perceived, a how you're dressed. That's where yeah. pronouns come in. Yeah. Uh, how you, how you move in the world, how many like hand motions you use or not and um, those kinds of things. Okay. Um, So someone who is um, a trans man is genuinely, is generally someone who has transitioned uh, to, I, I, you know, most trans people I know would not say they've transitioned to become a man. I think they would say that it's, it's more of an affirmation what, of what our already was, which is how I feel. What their identity was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's it. You, the, the last thing you say is the thing that they are. So trans woman. Is what they identify. They're a woman. Yes. Okay. You know? Yes. And that's, you know, but they're trans. So you know that. There was a transition along Experience. the way that started at something yes. in terms of presentation or whatever that was not woman. Yes. But who they are is woman. Okay. So trans man, they're right. man. Okay. Trans woman, mm-hmm. they're or transgender woman, they're they're woman. Which makes logical right. sense when you think about it. And then sometimes people will use trans feminine or trans masculine mm-hmm. as sort of a shorthand, like if if mm-hmm. it's not entirely like if the person has not made it clear mm-hmm. how they identify or okay. Um, because, like, what's crazy, like, I mean, people, we are, especially in American culture, we're really, really good at sniffing out gender markers and gender clues, whether mm-hmm. it's a voice timbre mm-hmm. or, um, you know, the, the you like know, width of someone's shoulders or oh, their okay. outfit or whether, not wear, whether they wear makeup uh-huh. or... Yeah. Um, and so we make a lot of assumptions... Mm-hmm. And trans people, um, like, capitalize on those in order to be perceived accurately. Okay, yeah. Um, But, like, in my case, there's a lot of, like I mentioned earlier, that I wear a lot of makeup, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's some stuff like that that I do in order to be perceived correctly, or at least in order to indicate the way in which I would like to be identified identified and Mm -hmm. treated. Yeah. But maybe not necessarily because I actually really like that. Right. So it's it's except you for know, you said makeup was fun, so yeah, you it's like kind makeup. of it's kind of a uh, you know a minefield. So so you like shopping? Yeah, r- uh, very much. <laughs> Always have like that. So but and then <laughs> cis cisgender would be someone who, um, internally in their sense of gender identity, their sense of of subconscious sex matches the the gender that they are assigned at birth it matches the sex they were at birth it matches the way that people have perceived them for their whole lives and so that's cisgender yeah. and that's probably the the that's the majority of people um is there another then, word for cisgender uh cisgender no. is the one that i okay. know so trans is is like change or mm-hmm. cross and yeah. cis is like 
stay. You're stagnant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> staying. Um, but then there's like, you know, then there's also like drag queens. Yes. You know, which is like, that's like a performance where femininity is exaggerated. Yes. And that's, that's not trans. There's lots, there's cisgender men. Not necessarily, but not it necessarily. Could be. There's some. There's some trans people who do drag. I had a clinical instructor. Of, there's people of both genders yes. that do drag. And he was the drag queen <laughs> of the Pride Festival in San Francisco. Right. But he was gay, and he was, he is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he made me the therapist, Sam. Yeah. For sure. Love him. Well, and that. that's it's. I think that drag, it's taken me some time to, like, appreciate drag because, to me, um, I am not in drag. Yeah. I don't, I've never yeah. wanted to do drag. Yeah. I've never, I've just wanted to be you. a girl. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and so um, it, I have a weird relationship with that. Okay. But I understand how it could be. Um, really liberating for a lot of people who feel, um, you know, like especially people who have been harmed or made unsafe or attacked because of um, because of gender nonconformity, okay. even as like a cisgender person. Yeah. So like you know, you know, a cisgender man who mm-hmm. has some characteristics that are that are labeled feminine. You know, doing drag is a way of reclaiming that and celebrating mm-hmm. it. And then at the same time, it's also a way of, you know, highlighting some of the um, maybe toxicity or negativity mm. of femininity. Or maybe even, you know, in mm. some aspects, some, probably some of the good things, too. Yeah. But, Interesting. Um, so we talked about gender dysphoria. Yep. Um, which is the pain of... That mismatch, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So, yep. my and there can be physical bodily dysphoria. There can be social dysphoria. That's being misgendered. Um, but if I were to see it on a diagnosis list, I wouldn't see that difference. I would just see. Yes, you would just see gender, gender dysphoria. dysphoria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some old terms. Oh, and then you know, uh, there are people who are um, intersex, which is not. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily trans people, although I think there are probably some intersex people who identify as transgender or not. But um, so one of the misnomers that leads people to have um, bigoted perceptions about Mm -hmm. trans people is the belief that there are two sexes and that there's no crossover or variability. And what's the truth is that there's a lot of people that are born intersex. There's many, many, many different... um, variations to sex, whether, um, the, you know, person is born with, uh, different configurations of genitals mm-hmm. or they're, they're born with X, Y chromosomes, but yet they have female looking mm-hmm. genitals yes. or vice versa, okay. or there's just, there's a wide variety. Yes, it's true. And, um, those, uh, you know, so a person could be born intersex and, um, and identify as a as an adult with the gender that they were given by a doctor sometimes right or by their parents the, you know whatever their parents happen to decide yeah um, other times they realize that the, all those people were incorrect mm-hmm. um, and so that's 
intersex people um, are sometimes included mm-hmm. amongst. And I, I you know, my that. perception is some intersex people are, you know, value being part of the trans community or, or mm. but there are other intersex people who, uh, you know, don't want anything to do with us or don't think we're legitimate or valid. But that's huh. another group. Okay. Some of, some okay. terms that we we no longer use are like gender identity dis- uh, disorder, which yeah. we mentioned mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Uh, hermaphrodite. Is not yeah. you know that sometimes you know intersex is is the preferred term. Okay. Um, uh, pre-op or post-op is generally not mm. uh, appropriate. Um, How would you even use that towards a human? Right. <laughs> you think of like yeah. a joint. Looking yeah. back at a picture, uh, this is my pre-op. Uh, this is my right. knee pre-op. This is or my even knee. asking someone, "Have you had the surgery?" Yes. Um, because. Or do you the, the, plan to have surgeries? <laughs> Probably shouldn't. Even ask even that. that, like if it's not in your area, there's no reason for you to know what their plans are. Well, and I think just and, just just as humans, like let's just care less about yeah. what is under other people's clothes, right? And it's particularly true. in right. their pants. I really pants. don't want it's you imagining. True. I mean, just it's true. Just quit like, it. So and if you I'm think sure about, you don't want me either. So, no, like, so if we're you just, just gonna, if you, you just know? think about like, yeah. did I, did I, when's the last time we yeah. talked about sex? Oh, never. Yeah. Oh, when's the last time we talked about vaginas or penises? <laughs> Maybe our own or our spouses? Like, oh, never. Also, even oh. in, even in like a normal doctor's yes. appointment, it it like you can have so a lot of doctor's appointments where you're not doing? talking yes. about that part. Yeah. And I you mean, just you, if you just don't do yeah. it if it's not you yeah. know. I think that's unfortunately like a lot of what people. That's where their mind goes to. Yes. I know. And so it's very interesting to me. One of the first things Paige educated me on was that (laughs) only like 15 or maybe you were saying 11% of people actually get surgery. Bottom surgery. Bottom surgery. Yeah, bottom (laughs) surgery, which is like, wow, okay. And then the more I've known you, Al, and your transition, like, it's so obvious to me that it's like the person and like you are you and this is how you're supposed to be and you're happy and- yeah. Like the thought is like, ew, no, you don't talk about that and you don't think about that with no, so like people. So why right. is this different? And like if I choose to have some procedures in the future and I need support yeah. from people in my life, then I'll cool. ask for it. Right. At maybe. that time. Yeah. Like or I'll maybe try to avoid asking right. for it if at all possible. <laughs> like I mean Or we'll yeah, just you know, be quiet for a couple right. of we'll months. We'll just take care, you know, or we'll just say, you know, we're it's, whatever she's sick or i mean like i don't know but those are generally (laughs) you know and and i i think there's a lot of trans people that are especially it's hurtful to ask about the surgery because it just betrays so much ignorance about the whole thing yes and transition is like so much not about surgery right like it's like if if a surgery takes place it's such a minor tiny part of Of transition yeah. and so that kind of like sex change operation yes. is out of favor. No you know, we knows. don't use that. Female, tranny <laughs> are like tranny. De- very derogatory. Uh, very. Don't use those. That feels like common yeah. sense, but. Well, it's interesting because like queer used to be really derogatory. Yes. And there are people who are reclaiming queer. Yes. And mm. I feel like there may be some people who are 
reclaiming fairy. I don't know. It fairy? may be a little bit in that category. Huh? What I definitely can tell you is that transgendered as a noun yeah. is not correct. Yeah, that doesn't sound correct. Oh, we transgender is an it's adjective. like something that happened to you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, I it's... I got rear-ended. Right, I no. I transgendered. <laughs> transgender is like being... Is, if you imagine, like, um, she's a tall woman. She's a short woman. She's transgender. She's a, she's a transgender woman. No, no, no. We don't say that. She's a transgender woman. Yes, yes, we do say that. Yeah. yeah. We don't say... She's transgendered. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's what just I was Just like you wouldn't say. say she. <laughs> just like you wouldn't say she's talled. Yes. <laughs> she's been talled. Like it doesn't. No. Yeah. You, use it as an adjective. Right. Right. You right. Know, so. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Or she has a transgender. What are some other no-nos? This is good. Yeah. I don't like it. I had I had one physician who um, English was not their first language, and they would call. They would refer to other transgender patients as transgenders. All my other transgenders, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't sound very good. didn't feel good either, but I don't think that that was intentionally yeah. that was, hostile. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. she was prescribing me, you know, estrogen, so, like, I... <laughs> I felt supported by her. Um, but <laughs> Weirdly like, supported. <laughs> but it was, it was, like, a little bit awkward. Yeah. And I, I told her that that... You know, I it, it would be better if she said transgender patients. Did you tell her that? Bit, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Which is a bit more of a mouthful, but she she hasn't hasn't totally taken uh-huh. on with her yet. But oh. the other one that's yeah. not used anymore is transsexual, and it's not it, used anymore. It's not really used now. Wasn't that kind of like the? It's it was an older term. Go. Yeah. Kind of, which is now more non-binary, right? Well, yeah. I guess I think transsexual was a term that was used. When society more um, universally believed that there were only two sexes or two genders. Right. And at this point, we don't believe that nearly as much. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's some segments that still do, but we don't believe that nearly as much. Um, and so I think it's kind of gone out of favor because it sort of assumes that you're going from one sex to another, which isn't, which is. You know, there are binary transgender people, obviously, but that's not everyone. So, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like, I don't know if your your parents used to say, like, if you don't have any nice thing nice to say, don't say it. Like, Yeah. The golden I, rule. Yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah. you know, like, I mean, I obviously have some friends where it feels like silence is violence. Mm. But, like, <laughs> for the most part, like, there's people who haven't said anything and Oh man, I'm glad they haven't said anything. There's people who have said some stuff and it's been awful. I wish they would have not said anything at all, you know? Right. Like so I I think, you know, I I feel like we're we've made a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. Um I feel you know, some anxiety about things going backward. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if I would have been able to come out uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago mm-hmm. in that s- context. Yeah. You know, I think that it's happening when it was supposed to happen, yep. I guess. Like, yeah. I feel a certain amount of peace about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm grateful to be working here and Aww, with so you. Sweet. It's you're been so, so, so good. Oh, stop Such that. Such a good work environment. And, <laughs> you know, I guess I feel like, um, if there's people who are listening, like 
if this is an area, especially if you feel uncomfortable about it, mm-hmm. um, I would just ask, maybe even like plead with you, like do some work on that area, do For some sure. reading, do yeah. some listening, um, you know, send me an email or yeah. whatever. Like I would love to talk with you or yeah. die or even point or just point you in the direction of some resources because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't like, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be around. And, um, and if you care about your patients, um, you know, like I would mm-hmm. love for you to, you know, include yeah people like me in that, you know, yeah, and it's, I, you know, I mean, yeah. I think as a healthcare professional, we spend so much time and energy, you know, getting to our career, right? Um, You know, the years of school to get into your program and then in your program and then you're studying to take boards. And then I think it's just such a disservice to get to a patient where you're like, oh, and you're so uneducated on anything related to their diagnoses that you're like, wow, okay, uh, I feel like it's an embarrassment yeah. personally as a clinician that I would be like, man, now I don't even know what to say. And now I feel like awkward and I'm sure it's coming out and how I'm treating the patient and I would never want a patient to feel that way. So I think that yeah. you hit it on the head, like education, looking back and seeing how you're treating and how you're feeling about them, how you're feeling about the whole topic, educating yourself and then, you know, ask and find someone cool like Elle to ask. And, yeah, you know, really, honestly, like you two have taught me so much that it's like, wow, if I'm just starting to, like, be aware of this, I'm sure others are, I would like to think, beyond me, but probably not. And in this company alone, we have lots of work to do. And so I think all of us do, really. And this is, like, a yeah. good place to start. So thank yeah. you so much for yeah. You're Being welcome. open and honest and your pastoral history, like you just have this talent and you do seem so welcoming and open and the way you talk is so eloquent. So thank you so much for well, thank you for being having part me, of it. Having yeah. me on. And it's great. I'll be I'll be here in the background. Oh yeah. Folks, you'll know that I'm around. She's actually always here. So. <laughs> I'm the recording engineer. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So if you have a problem with how it was recorded, I'm it's my fault. So you can play to me. <laughs> oh that's great thank you so much Um, we will have more guests and um, more episodes on this topic as there's so much to cover um, and so much I think that we should be doing more and as Elle mentioned so many times it's so unique to the person that we would like to get some other people on and get some other perspectives to yeah do the best we can. Yeah. And celebrate, celebrate Pride Month. And celebrate Pride Month. And figure out how to include everyone. Yes. No including, matter what. Including families. Of, yeah. Like you yourself. So. Peace and love. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.